In the river of human history, there are currents that flow mightily, though often hidden beneath the surface. Today, we set our course to explore one such current where voices sing with ancient wisdom that has danced through the winds and across the Americas for some 30,000 years. We, my dear listener, are about to embark on a voyage across the landscape of a powerful heritage as we explore the monumental book in indigenous people's history of the United States. So welcome to the Humanity Archive podcast. This is a mini episode and I am your gracious host, Jermaine Fowler. And today I have a story from history that you may have never heard before, but even if you have, you've never heard it in the way that I'm going to tell it. This is a discussion of an indigenous people's history of the United States. Now let's get into it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Patreon. The Humanity Archive is 100% listener supported. So for as little as $2 per month, you can ensure the podcast stays in existence. And when you join the Patreon, you'll not only get podcast perks, but you'll also access our monthly book club a growing community, a vibrant community of avid readers and critical thinkers who come together each and every month and dissect a chosen book. I give handouts out with discussion questions that'll guide your reading. I'm coming with a ton of insights from the books that we are reading. So you can just show up and hang out. Uh, You don't even have to engage. I hope you engage, but you can just listen to what others have to say. Listen to the insights, get comfortable, come in your pajamas, bring your coffee, whatever you want to do. It's laid back, no pressure, but that is what you get for as little as $2 a month. Everybody gets the same benefits, no matter what you can donate to the platform. So help to keep the humanity archive alive, help it thrive, help me continue to do what I do, bring you these podcasts and the book club and all the different ways that I can bring you overlooked history. I am looking to expand more and more to do that. So that's patreon.com backslash the humanity archive. And this month we are reading Frederick Douglass's prophet of freedom. Now I want to embark on a journey into a book that represents a deep excavation into the heart and soul of this nation and indigenous people's history of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz, an award-winning book, a must read in my opinion, which is why I chose it to talk about today. And I think that it's crucial for us to comprehend that history is not just a series of dates or events. History is a living tapestry woven 
with the fibers of stories and experiences of real people. And through this text, then we are urged to take off the blinders of the Eurocentric narratives that have dominated American education and instead look through the colonial framework of American history. Why is this book important? Well, we live in an age where the American empire exerts tremendous influence over the world still. The legacies of colonialism and imperialism and racial oppression are still felt in indigenous communities. So this book offers an alternative history, a corrective, if you will, that unveils the intricate and painful history of indigenous peoples. Those whose blood and sweat and tears are soaked into the very soil upon which we stand. So through this book, we are reminded of the original sin of America the genocide and displacement of native peoples. This history is uncomfortable, but my dear family, it is necessary for it is through understanding the past that we shape the present and craft a future that is anchored in justice, love and compassion. So I just want to dive right into a selection of facts and insights from this book that I think will be empowering for you, even if you've never read the book, even if you never read the book. Again, I highly suggest it, but I just want to give you a few facts and a few takeaways that I think you can walk away with today with a better understanding of indigenous history, things that are vital and shaping a more nuanced comprehension of indigenous history. So let's get started. So one of my biggest takeaways from this book was the importance of corn. I was fascinated with the focus on corn which in indigenous cultures was not just a staple crop, but it transcended the material realm. It was intertwined with spiritual and cultural and economic dimensions that shaped indigenous ways of life. Corn symbolized a sacred connection to ancestral land, serving as a tangible link to indigenous cosmologies and a testament to their profound relationship with the earth. The cultivation of corn was not merely an agricultural practice, but a deeply spiritual act that embodied the reciprocity between humans and nature. Indigenous communities recognizing the intricate balance required to cultivate and sustain corn, exemplifying a profound ecological wisdom that underscored their spiritual and cultural values. However, the arrival of European colonizers shattered this intricate web of indigenous life. The encounter with Europeans marked the beginning of a terrible chapter in the history of indigenous peoples, one characterized by devastation, exploitation and cultural erasure. The introduction of European agricultural practices disrupted indigenous farming methods, severing the sacred bond between corn and indigenous spirituality. The imposition of foreign models of land ownership and exploitation further marginalized indigenous communities, dispossessing them of their ancestral lands and eroding their cultural practices. But the commodification of corn by European settlers who transformed it into a profitable industry detached from its spiritual significance perpetuated a system that prioritized profit over the well-being and autonomy of indigenous people and there's this quote that ortiz offers that compels us to acknowledge that the european colonists did not begin with a barren wilderness and this ties to this 
corn and to the farming methods and techniques and the cultivation of the land by indigenous peoples. They didn't enter a barren wasteland as it's so stereotyped, but rather they entered a land already shaped and nurtured by indigenous communities and the appropriation of indigenous creations and farming techniques and resources formed the very foundation upon which European colonization thrived. They were resorting to cannibalism in Jamestown, Virginia. You can read about this. A young 14-year-old girl was cannibalized. Archaeologists call her Jane. She had butcher marks on her skull. And then they called then the native people savages. But Ortiz says that had North America been a wilderness undeveloped without roads uncultivated, it might still be so for the European colonists could not have survived. They appropriated what had already been created by indigenous civilizations. They stole already cultivated farmland and corn, vegetables, tobacco and other crops domesticated over centuries, took control of the deer parks that had been cleared and maintained by indigenous communities used existing roads and water routes in order to move armies to conquer and relied on captured indigenous people to identify the locations of water, oyster beds, and medicinal herbs. Unquote. The second thing that stands out from this book is this idea of the culture of conquest. And this really took off in the 1400s. Ortiz, with surgical precision, dissects the colonial mindset that sought to subjugate indigenous souls rooted in the vile doctrine of discovery which was nothing but an intellectual facade for land grabs and domination i have to say the doctrine of discovery which you might have learned about in school was an infernal doctrine that served as a green light for european conquerors to seize indigenous lands with impunity so we think about those like columbus and cortez with this air of divine right and a twisted sense of entitlement embarking on a relentless quest for gold and glory And let's not forget the church. It played no small part. It was complicit, giving its blessings and sanctioning the brutality all under the guise of saving souls. But what was really afoot? Forced labor, slavery, land grabs, shattering of indigenous societies, European monarchy baptized in a toxic cocktail of religious righteousness and insatiable greed, unleashing a torrent of violence and despair upon indigenous civilizations. We're talking forced conversions, again, enslavement, massacres, all in the name of civilizing native peoples. Number three is this idea of the cult of the covenant. We get to the English settlers who believe they had struck a divine deal, a covenant with the almighty God. They're seeing themselves as the new Israelites forging a new promised land. And this is usually in that Jamestown era where the story of American history typically begins in school books. They don't often talk about this covenant. This imagined divine sanction that gave license to settlers to expand At what cost, though? What were the consequences of their pursuit of land and power? So in the book, Ortiz meticulously illustrates how this mythic covenant was woven into the very fabric of American identity. Number four takeaway is this idea of bloody footprints. And we look back to the American Revolution here and how it was not this beacon of freedom. It's often portrayed to be for the indigenous people, specifically the American Revolution left a trail of these bloody footprints across the indigenous land, indigenous people caught in the crossfire between the British and the revolutionaries. And for them, the birth of the United States spelled doom for their communities. The revolutionaries in the 
fervor of liberty turned their guns against indigenous peoples to seize the land. The original sin of conquest, my dear friends, was now perpetuated under a new flag, the stars and stripes. I want to talk just real quick about this phrase in the Declaration of Independence, quote, merciless Indian savages, unquote. I think it's vital to address this specific language used. This phrase has become a focal point for indigenous activists and scholars. The use of this term in such a seminal document reflects the dehumanization and vilification of indigenous peoples that was so prevalent during the founding of the United States. This kind of language justified the violence and displacement that indigenous communities faced as it painted them as less than human and as threats to civilized society. Today, activists and indigenous communities point to this phrase as a stark reminder of the historical injustices and the enduring legacy of colonialism. Next, take away the Jacksonian era of Indian removal and expansion. Andrew Jackson, president, a man whose visage graces the $20 bill, but whose legacy is one of sorrow for indigenous peoples. Dunbar Ortiz unravels the devastating tapestry of the Indian Removal Act. The act was a nefarious piece of legislation that facilitated the forced relocation of indigenous peoples. This was nothing short of an ethnic cleansing with the trail of tears standing as the main testimony to the countless lives lost in the community shattered. But there were many more trails of tears incidents the jacksonian era the era of manifest destiny and white supremacy driving the relentless westward expansion at the expense of indigenous human beings we must confront this unsettling truth in this chapter in american history and that's what ortiz does in the book and then next we come to this idea of the last of the mohicans this is a idea that has been prevalent in popular culture through literature playing a role in this perpetuating of a notion of the vanishing race. Then you have that movie, The Last of the Mohicans, which was a literary work, James Fenimore Cooper. And the novel was set during the French and Indian War and it played a significant role in this shaping of a cultural narrative by romanticizing and then feigning sorrow for the supposed vanishing of native people and then that's where you get the 1992 film starring daniel day lewis the story continues to shape perceptions in pop culture and this portraying of indigenous peoples through this lens of nostalgia you know the black and white photos of people with headdresses on a romanticized tragedy rather than living cultures that still exist and are trying to preserve and hold on to their history then we really get to this idea of manifest destiny, the idea that has been heard so much. It's a grandiose term, but let me tell you, it's drenched in the tears of indigenous people. Manifest destiny was this self-righteous belief that the United States was divinely ordained to expand across the continent. And so we see how this expansion is not just a movement of people. It was an ideology, an ideology that, again, dehumanized and displaced indigenous people, seeing them not as fellow human beings, but as obstacles to be removed and you get into this idea of indian country which was weaponized by the united states government rather than respecting and understanding the rich tapestry of indigenous cultures the government sought to corral them into confined spaces both literally 
and figuratively. And then we learned about the Indian wars and the reservations and the painful saga of broken treaties. But we have to remember that it's not only a tale of sorrow, but a tale of the indomitable spirit of indigenous peoples. And so then we come to another fact, which is resistance. And I could go on about so many different tragedies and incidents, but it's important to understand that indigenous subjugation was not and is not a foregone conclusion. So we should remember things like Pontiac's Rebellion, 1763. Following the French and Indian War, a coalition of indigenous nations in the Great Lakes region led by Ottawa leader Pontiac rebelled against British colonial encroachments on their lands, though ultimately unsuccessful. They prompted the British to reassess their policies regarding indigenous lands. Remember the Red Stick War, a faction of the Creek Nation, also known as the Red Sticks, rose against American settlers encroaching on their territories in Alabama and Georgia. Despite initial victories, they were defeated at the Battle of Horseshoe Bend, but they rose. Remember the American Indian Movement, established in 1968 to address issues like poverty and police brutality and broken treaties. The movement gained national attention with the occupation of Alcatraz in 1969, followed by the occupation of Wounded Knee in 1973, advocating for the rights and autonomy of indigenous peoples. Remember Standing Rock, the Standing Rock Sioux tribe and thousands of indigenous activists from across North America opposed the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline, which threatened sacred lands and water resources. So as we wrap up today's episode, it is crucial to recognize that the history of indigenous peoples in the United States is a saga of endurance and resilience and unbowed spirits. The book has taken us through the valleys of sorrow and the mountains of indigenous resilience and beckons us. What role we play in shaping the future. Ortiz implores us to imagine a United States that acknowledges its history that embraces the rich tapestry of cultures and works towards restitution and reconciliation with indigenous peoples. So let us carry the torch of knowledge forward, commit ourselves to building bridges and mending bonds and dancing to the rhythm of a future that honors the dignity of all its peoples. Let us not see this as an end, but as the commencement of our sacred journey toward justice and understanding. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to another episode of the Humanity Archive podcast. Remember, if you want to support the show, if you want to support this work, see the Humanity Archive thrive as I continue to push overlooked history through podcasts, through social media, through the writing of books and videos and everything else. Please consider becoming a Patreon over at patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. We are 100 percent. Listener supported through the podcast, you'll get access to the book club and you'll know that you'll continue to get history that doesn't just tell you what happened, but why it happened. Something that goes a little bit deeper than the History Channel or a CNN documentary, or even PBS. We try to dig to deeper questions here and I watch those shows, too, but we pride ourselves on digging deeper. So support the work and I will see you next time.